Hey, thanks so much for joining us on our channel today. We wanna to encourage you to subscribe and like today's video. Also, today's word is brought to you by our Truth Partners. These are people who want to financially invest to help us get this message of truth to around the nation and around the world. You can become a Truth Partner today by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give. Again, thank you for partnering with us on this message of truth, and thank you for liking and subscribing to today's video. God bless you. I pray this sermon blesses your life. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, so glad to be here. Thank you to your pastors, uh, Pastor Jonathan and Joanne, for having us here. Uh, uh, Pastor, and uh, John and Josie Brockman, they are very good friends of ours. They led in worship today. Uh, and so we're super, super grateful to have a relationship with them. But like Kristen said, we're like your family from Atlanta. We're your cousins from Atlanta. Uh, and uh, we're glad to be here. And since y'all are our extended family, we want you to get a look at our family really quickly. And so uh -huh. you throw that photo up there. You can see, These see are the, my beloved. the latest Jordan photo. Woohoo! All five yeah. of my kids and my uh, in loves. Um, yep. We got our two boys that go to college. This is my oldest son, Christopher, his wife, Catherine, our two littles. Cash and Cruise. And this is my daughter, Sydney. That's her husband, Stephen. Those are their two sons, Carden and Canaan. And that is 10 year old Ladybug, who is 5'8. That is not fair. <laughs> She's taller than most at 10 and sweet and full of joy. Absolutely. And they are our legacy, y'all. Yeah, that's right. And that's why we showed you. Thank you. Thank you. That, that's one of the reasons why we showed you that photo is because Kristen and I have been married. Uh, for 29 years, uh, to each other. Can I say that? We've been, we've been married to each other, to each other for 29 years, uh, and we are going to be happily married to each other forever. Amen. Amen. Now, some of y'all kind of like, yeah, you're going to mess that up by saying that. <laughs> Listen, we know without shadow of a doubt, and we're here so that you can know without a without shadow, shadow of, a of a doubt, or if you have a desire to be married, you can know without a shadow of a doubt, or if you've been remarried, you can know without a shadow of a doubt. That's what we're here for. And we showed you that picture because what we're talking about here today is not just about marriage. We're not just talking about relationship. We're talking about legacy. Man. And if you get out of your mind, just this person or what I'm going through right now or this moment, and you start to see a bigger vision of legacy, then you understand that everything you're doing right now, everything you're navigating through, isn't even about you. you it's about your legacy and it's through. bigger it's about than legacy. you. Because the enemy doesn't care so much about you and your marriage or your future. He cares about your legacy. Yeah. He cares about your kids and your kids' kids. And if he can yeah. take you out or take out the vision now, then he can get at you. So, Man, you guys have been in a whirlwind. Crosses, Teslas. What in the world? Fire pits, lazy-eyed Leahs. Uh, <laughs> disclaimer. disclaimer if, if your name happens to be Leah and you happen to have lazy eyes, Pastor was not talking about you. <laughs> Strictly coincidental. Trust me, it was, it was biblical stuff. Um, but we thought about all the stuff we could talk about, and we wanted to give you some practical tools for you to be able to apply right now to start making change in your marriage. And so we're going to talk about uh, uh, how you can make it last forever. Shout out to Keith Sweat, make it last forever. It's we want to so give you, some of y'all have to Google that on the way home. We yep. want to give you 10 ways to make it last forever, and we want to start uh, our objectives. Our, our and objectives. our objectives are always this, to put first things first and you can make it last forever. And if you take divorce off the table, you can make it last 
forever. That's right. And so we're about to dive into this thing. Hopefully this is some stuff that sticks into your creative DNA and you'll be able to know these 10 things that you can do to, and I hope we get through all 10, but if we don't, it's okay. It's all in the right. book. It's in the book we wrote. So 10 things you can do to make it last forever. The first thing is think on good things. Yes, Lord. Think on good things. Some of us are thinking about now. Some of us are thinking on the, the thing that made you mad. Some of us are thinking on what the argument we had on the car ride on the way to church. Some of us are he thinking about the stuff they don't piles. do. We think we don't think on the good things. And you know, I just uh, I think about uh, this moment where when I first saw my wife, I was at a club. Yeah, I found her in the club. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was these gig- for me. Yeah, <laughs> these gigantic windows or whatever. And I remember I saw her walking outside. And I was inside, and I saw her walking by, and like she's like six foot. She had on like four inch heels, so she like six four, uh, uh, long hair, don't care, and walking by. And I was like, oh my god, that could be my wife. And I remember when I saw her for the first time, there was something in me that was like, man. Um, and what I do is from time to time, I always go back and I think on good things. I think about when we had our first child and I looked at my wife as a child being born because I wasn't there for my wife's childhood. And I'm seeing a glimpse of my wife as a young girl and I fall in love over and over again because it would suck in a marriage if you only fell in love with your spouse one time. And so God allows us to fall in love over Over and and over over again. And even if you're not in love with your spouse right now, that's good because it's an opportunity for you to fall in In love. love. Again. with your spouse by thinking today? on good things. Philippians Amen. chapter 4 and 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about These those things. things. Absolutely. Number two, marry someone you're friends with first. Yeah. And remain friends. And if you're already married and this is not the case, this is a perfect opportunity for you to become the best friend of your spouse. What about your friends? That's right. Listen, you got to know the, the difference between friends and frenemies. Some of you posture your heart as frenemies, pretending to be friends, but really your enemies the way that you talk to each other mm. and the way that you converse with each other, right? Listen, the characteristics that we need to sustain a healthy friendship is this. You have to be a friend. Yeah. Right? How, what's the definition of a friend? Uh, it's having friends you're attached by feeling to another of affection or a personal regard. A friend is a person who gives assistance or support. Yeah. A friend is a person who's on good terms with another. A person who is not hostile. Hmm. Let me say it again. A person who is not hostile. A friend is a comrade, a confidant, an advocate, a backer. The Bible says it this way. Proverbs 18 and 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. That's good. So let's start. How do you become best friends? Be friendly. Be kind. Be nice. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Listen, it's important to be best friends because God sees us as one person. Mm -hmm. He doesn't actually see him and I separate anymore. Once we are married, he sees us as one. And what about other friends? There's no other person that your spouse should be closer to than you. Say it again. There is no other person that your spouse should be closer to than you. Listen, when we got married, I had a friend who was a guy who was a best friend. Do you know what happened to him after we got married? He gone. And it's not that I didn't love him. It's that this has to be my most important relationship. If this becomes my lending ear, then it get, leads me astray from my number one focus. I don't have no friends that my wife don't know. Amen. My wife does not have friends that I don't know. I don't converse with his friends unless he's on the text stream. 
Some of y'all are missing this. This is super important. We're teaching you how to, how to safeguard your marriage, how to protect, how to safe eyes and how to protect your marriage. Listen, I had a friend who was like, we were like boys, boys before I got married. And after we got married and him and her didn't necessarily get along, he's like, well, still, we've been boys a lot longer, this or that. And so he felt like he, we had relationship that would withstand me. Be, he saw me, he didn't see us. Hmm. And God sees us. And so get this. If he can't see us, he can't, he see, can't us. see us. Bye. Some of, some of y'all, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? You need to get that in your spirit. Yeah. If your friends can't see us, they can't see us. That's real talk. Goodbye. Yes. Goodbye. And let me just say this because I know i got some singles in the room and some singles who are watching online. I need you to get this. And this is super, super good because uh, Proverbs uh, 18 and 22 says, mm -hmm. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. And I was just thinking, notice it says he who finds a wife. Mm. Doesn't say she who finds a husband. Amen. Hey, I just want to take a moment and let you know that today's sermon is brought to you by our truth partners. If you're interested in being a truth partner, simply go to creativechurch.com slash give and select truth partners today. Again, please subscribe and like today's video. It's blessing you. It's blessing your family. And hey, let's get back to the word. Doesn't say he who finds a husband. Well. Doesn't say she who finds a wife. Doesn't say they that find a them. I can respect your pronouns. We got to respect God's pronouns. Right? This is what he said. He said he that finds a wife. He laid it that way because that's his word. He said, he that finds a wife. Uh, imagine I were to ask you to find this bottle of water. Anybody got difficulty with that? No. no. Because it's right out in the open. All out there. You can see, see everything. <laughs> one, you don't, somebody picking it up was, was putting up. So, <laughs> one, you can find it. You don't have to find it because it's not hidden. Mm. You can't find something that isn't hidden. Mm. And so when the word says he that finds a wife means, first of all, the wife must be hidden. The second thing, it says he that finds a wife. It doesn't say he that finds a girlfriend. Hey. He that finds a companion. Ooh. He that finds a soulmate. doesn't say that. It says he finds a wife. He that finds a bestie. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say so that. So for the, for the women out there, I need you to understand, it's not when you get married that you become a wife. You become a wife in Christ before he finds you. Mm. That's a word for somebody out there. Are you in wifey one-on-one training right now in your singleness? Amen. Listen. Because you know, your you know your husband is out there somewhere, not somebody else's husband. God is making a husband so that when he spots his wife, he knows, like I saw my, I said, oh, that could be my wife. There's something on the inside, even though at the time I wasn't the husband and she wasn't the wife, God was doing something in us early on in development so that she could be the wife waiting to be found. And where can she be found? Some of y'all being found in the club. I... Am I going to need security to get out of you here? Might. You good? might. You might. I got good? your back. Y'all be ready now. You ready? L listen, can I tell you, as a wife waiting to be found, the best place to be hidden is in your father. If you are hidden in your father, in order for him to find you, he's got to find your father first. Oh, that's, that's good preaching word. right there. That's a whole word, sir. And let me just leave you with something, because somebody asked me after the first after the last time, they asked, hey, Pastor, you know, if I'm hidden, how do I know that I won't be, you know, so tucked away, I can't be found? Listen, when you're hidden in your father, have you ever heard the term hidden in plain sight? Mm. 
Like you had your glasses on, and you were like, oh, where, I can't find my glasses. It's, They're on your face. Are you holding your phone? Where's my phone? Some things can be hidden in plain sight. Amen. And God does that for us because he loves us like that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and 4 says love is patient. It is. Love is kind. Mm -hmm. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. So to my singles out there, if the person you are dating mm -hmm. or courting or even engaged to, if they are not patient, if they are not kind, if they are envious, if they are boastful, uh, that's not a friend. That's not love. Run, Forrest, run. Run, Forrest, run. I don't think that's in scripture, but it should that's be. Run, <laughs> Forrest, Forrest run. run. That's real talk. Amen, amen. And to the husbands and wives, no one outside of your marriage should have more access or more influence over your spouse and over the heartbeat than yeah, you. That's right. Your spouse should be your best friend. Yeah. And being your spouse's best friend, it takes intimacy to a whole nother level. That's right. This is what you need to know. Like, the Bible talks about this, and I think a lot of us don't know that. But Songs of Solomon 5.16 says it this way. His mouth is most sweet. The NIV says it this way. It is like sweetness itself. Yet he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Come on, Bible. <laughs> That's Bible right there. His mouth is sweetness? Yes, it All is. Altogether lovely, my beloved, my friend. Like, Jodeci could have wrote that. <laughs> like, that's good. Somebody got to Google Jodeci later. Listen, <laughs> listen, if, if I can see my person first as a daughter of God, mm -hmm. as a son of God, and then as a friend, that's the foundation that you want to build your life on. Yeah. It's a firm Foundation. We sang Amen. about it during worship. Hear me, y'all. Before this is my wife, this is God's daughter. Before this is my husband, this is God's son. God's son any way you want you to. You can't talk to God's daughter any kind of way. Some you of better not. Hey, hey, here you go. Not in the notes. Some of y'all need to do this. When y'all when y'all in the house, are you getting into the moods? Are you feel a certain kind of way? Just take a chair. And put it right there. Just put it in the middle of the room. So when God is sitting right there, okay, proceed. How will you talk to his son? You will not talk any kind of crazy way because you know and reverence who's in the house. And the thing is, is that if I talk to him crazy in front of who do you think he's correcting? If, if, God is act, if God is actually in the room. And he is. And he is. When you put a representation that God is actually in, listen, I can't talk to her. I can't talk to his daughter any kind of way. You better not. Come on, if, you, if you're a father out there. If you put yourself in a father or a mother, you're actually in the room and you can hear the way a person is talking to your daughter. Woo. Or you can hear the way she is. That's right. You can hear the way she's talking <laughs> to your son. Yes. Oh, they're about to get it. Oh, you're going, you're going. How, how much more our father in heaven, if he's actually in the room, the way I talk to her 
Listen, you don't want that smoke. You sure don't. You don't want that smoke. Praise God. We got to learn how to talk. That wasn't even in our notes. So you know that was for somebody. Love you. Mean it. Yep. Oops, sorry. I'm just moving the table, everything. All right, so that's number two. Number three, we got to learn how to apologize correctly. Just like there's five love languages, there's also five languages of apology. And this is a big deal. This was a game changer for us. Yeah, it was. So that's why we want you to check it. Same author, Gary Chapman, Chapman. who did five love languages, does five love uh, apology languages, and it's a game changer. He does not hear an apology the same way that I do, and vice versa. You ever been in that situation where you, I said I was sorry? But it, somehow they didn't receive it. It's because they have a language that we know speaky. And we got to speaky the right love, uh, the right apology language. Here they go. One language of apology is expressing regret. I'm expressing so regret. Sorry. I am so sorry that I, I'm, I'm so sorry that this happened. The second language of uh, apology is uh, accepting responsibility. This is his. That's mine. So I, I don't want, I, yeah, I'll come back to that. But accepting responsibility, hey. That was on me. That, that, was, my that was my fault. I'm sorry. I take responsibility for that. The third one is genuinely repenting. repenting. This one's mine. Expressing regret. But so, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I don't care about that. Here's what I want to know. What are you going to do next? So, yeah. So, what, what, what are do we you do, do now? now to what do, do it now? differently so you don't do this again? Yeah. When you genuinely repent, that means, hey, here's what I want to do moving forward to make sure this doesn't, doesn't happen again. Number four is requesting forgiveness. Requesting forgiveness after I'm sorry and, and hey, listen, it was my fault. Uh, here's what I'm going to do moving forward. And will you, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Uh, and one, uh, number five is uh, making restitution. What can I do to, to, to make, make it better? Right. I can, you know, can I get you some, some uh, Timberwolves tickets or can I, you know, can I take you to see the bike? Can we go to dinner? Whatever that looks like. And understand the perfect apology is all of those kind of pieced together so you don't, you don't miss one. Like for me, when it comes to ex- expressing, hey, my, res- my bad, if I hear you say, I am so deeply, deeply sorry that this happened, and hey, listen, we're putting these things in place so it'll never happen again. Hey, will you forgive me? Uh, uh, and, and this or that or the other. I'm still kind of sitting there because I didn't hear that person say, hey, I'm looking for the person in the room that's like, hey, that was on me. My fault. I did that. If and when I don't I hear say that, that, it's not an apology to him. Yeah. No matter that I covered the other ones. Unless I say those words, my fault, I own it. It is not an apology to him. That's why some of you are missing the mark when you're apologizing. You think you're apologizing sincerely, but you're missing the mark because you don't speak their language. Yeah. So just figure out what your spouse's language is and speak the right language. It'll make communication so much easier because now I can hear you. For him and my kids too, this is, this is a big deal. Yeah, because yeah, the, the thing is, is that they can get all these. And unless they say, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. For her. I'm sorry, care. mommy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Care. It's my fault. I'm so care. sorry. Will you forgive me, mom? Will you forgive care. me? I'm going to clean up my room. I'm going to, you know, she's like. And now what? Love that you're sorry. Love that it's your fault. What are you going to do moving forward? Well, mom, I'm going to make sure that from now on, every time this happens, I'm going to call so that I don't make you this or that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I received that. I can hear it. Now yeah. I can hear you. Learn what your apology language is and start talking about it with each other so you can now know it's not, well, I said I was sorry. Well, but you didn't probably express regret. Or, yeah, I said I was sorry, but we got couples that'll be like, did, did you ever, has he ever asked you to forgive him? No. That's He's the never, problem. He never asked me if I would forgive him. And so there's stuff that's there that in this could be gold 
for you as mm -hmm. a married couple. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we want to make it last forever. We're talking about ways to do that. The fourth way is to limit technology. technology. Listen, we understand that technology is important, and I get it. But your spouse and your family are more important than technology. Yeah. We have to establish tech-free zones, whatever that is, whatever that looks like for you. For us, it's at our dinner table. Don't you dare bring a telephone to the telephone because you're going to get called out, and it's going to be humiliating. Oh, yeah. It's going to oh, be yeah. like, really? This is what that important doing? right now? Really? <laughs> our kids, they're, they're funny with it. But the truth is, is that that's, we spend 80% of our lives away from the most important people that we love. Okay? So that being the case, I want to know what's happening in your life. We do this. We say, um, how was your day? And inevitably, one of the kids will say, fine. And everyone at the same time will say, details. details. I woke up. I took a shower, I threw on, the, like, we want to know. But the reason why is inevitably, as they're recalling the details, they're going to tell you something that was important in the day that was a game changer for them. But they wouldn't have if you're not engaged. Does that make sense? When we go out with couples and we go out to dinner and we have date nights with other couples, we all put our phones face down in the middle of it, and whoever reaches for their phone has to pay. <laughs> Amen? All right. I'm here for inspiration. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey. I see you, little boy. Yeah. That's like I'm right. never touching that phone. I'm not touching. Look, listen, we can stay in the restaurant all night. That's right. I love it here. You like it? I love it. <laughs> like, we ain't got to go nowhere. I'm not reaching for mine first. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, what that does is it teaches you to stop spending time and start investing time. Somebody missed that. Listen, there's a difference in spending time with your family and investing time in your family. When you spend, you normally don't get back. That's right. When you invest... You are putting in with the anticipation that something is going to come back. And so from that standpoint, we're making a small change like that. I want to spend time with my wife. No, I want to invest time with my wife. I want to spend some time with my husband today. No, I'm going to spend I want to invest time with my husband because you want to be able to, what you're putting in, you want to be able to get that, get that back. These are ways to make it last forever, y'all. Number five. Honesty and truth are non-negotiable. Honesty and truth are non-negotiable. That means even if you are ashamed of something, even if you did something wrong, listen, this is invaluable information right here because you gotta be truthful. You gotta be honest with your spouse. You gotta be a safe place. To, to my spouses out there, yeah. is, is, are you a safe space for your husband or for your wife to come with you and say, I screwed up or I messed up? Some, some of you are not safe spaces, which is why stuff has to remain hidden because you gotta be a safe space for your spouse. If God's got you like that, he gives you that margin. He gives you that ability to be a safe space. You remember we talked about you being a best friend? When your best friend comes to you and they're going to reveal a secret to you, you would accept whatever they say, correct? Except if it's your spouse, right? But that's the problem. That's why you need to become best friends. It's the safe place. If he comes to me and says, honey, I looked at porn, am I going to get upset? Here's the truth. I have to be a safe place. I have to be the safest place for him. I understand. How can I help you work through that? And it doesn't mean you don't, that you can't be upset or you feel some kind of way about that. But, okay, so not in the notes. Uh, this is the type of thing where if I'm away from my wife for, for too long, if I, normally we travel together or I travel always with somebody, with a leader, always have accountability with me. If we're not together, if we're not intimate over a certain amount of days, the human body starts to do stuff. You start to notice stuff more. Stuff starts to come alive. And, and you know, like you start looking and eyes start to be like, you know, you, I will call my wife and I'll say, hey, babe, um, I, need, I need to see you soon. 
because my eyes are starting to look in places that they don't need to look. And now listen, hold but, on. but listen, that's that's safe place for, hey, you are my favorite place. You are my best friend. I'm confiding in this in you so that I bring that to light, then that won't take over. Yeah. Does if I keep sense? it in if I keep it in darkness and just kind of try and hide and wait till oh, I can the enemy will come out, for you. The enemy comes for you. Like so a flood. My safe space is to be able to go to the one place outside of the darkness where the light is going to be and I let my wife know, I only want to have eyes for you. And listen, if I'm walking through the airport and I'm seeing too much, I I let you know, "Hey, you're my safe space. You're my best friend. This is what I'm going through rather than me trying to tuck it in the darkness and tuck it somewhere so the enemy can come. Are y'all getting this? Yep. I, I can only Sorry, do that, that if she's safe. In the notes. I can only do that <laughs> if she's safe. She can only come to me if we're safe spaces for each other. And that's mm -hmm. not husband and wife. That's friendship. That I've got to be able to come to my friend. If your best friend came to you and said, hey, I'm going through something and this is bad, but I got to share it with you. If you're really a friend, then you will take that in and be able to help them navigate through it, even if it hurts or even if it's painful, even if it's difficult. I'm sorry, I spent more time on that. But here's the point behind it. When you're honest with God, it gets you forgiven. Mm -hmm. When you're honest with yourself, it gets you free. When you're honest with others, it gets you healed. So why not be healed? Why not be healed? James 5 and 16 says, confess your sins uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We confess it to God. He's faithful to forgive us. We confess to ourselves. We can get free. Why just get forgiven and get free and not be healed? Silly. I got a spouse that helps me heal. And so in other words, don't just get forgiven, get mm -hmm. healed. Number, Number six. six. Learn to cherish your spouse. I love this one. Listen, when you got married on that day, to love, to honor, and to cherish. It's the one we spend the least well, amount of time on. What does that even on. mean? Right. Here's the thing. We've got the love part down mostly. Honor, we're doing all right. But cherish, like, have you ever revisited that? Like, what does that even mean? And the thing is, is that in order for me to cherish him, I have to have proximity to him. In order for me to cherish him, he has to be close to me. I can love someone from a distance, but I cannot cherish them from a distance. That's right. I can honor someone from a distance, but I cannot cherish them from a distance. In order for me to have someone or something that I cherish, there's a different level of intimacy that's required. It's the joy, the closeness, the proximity that brings me the delight and the love and the joy of marriage. And that's the thing. An item that we cherish it's close, right? Like a memory that we cherish. Father's it's close. watch, a favorite right. kid's favorite toy, a favorite memory. It means it's close up in your mind. Cherishing means you have to have something up close. Loving and cherishing are not the same thing. They complement one another, but there's a difference. Love right. is the commitment, but cherishing is the joy and the pleasure that come from the commitment. That's good. Make sense? What a revelation. Learning to cherish somebody, it's different. Learning to cherish our spouse is the next level of intimacy. That's right. And this is, and the Bible talks about it very clearly. Listen, yeah. we all know this scripture, the commitment of love. This was probably on your grandmother's wall. It was on my grandmother's wall, yeah. right? <laughs> love is patient. First love Corinthians. is kind. Love is, isn't jealous. It doesn't sing its own praises. It isn't arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't think about itself. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep track of wrongs. Let me say that again. It doesn't keep track of wrongs. Mm. 
It isn't happy when injustice is done, but it is happy with the truth. Love never stops being patient, never stops believing, never stops hoping, never gives up. When we look at that, we see the commitment part of what love requires of us. But when we look at the scripture of cherishing, these are different kinds of scriptures, right? This is the one that brings joy and pleasure and delight. When I treasure my husband, when I delight in him, and when I cherish him, it sounds more like the Songs of Solomon 2.14. Let me see how lovely you are. Let me hear the sound of your melodious voice. I know all your husbands don't sing like mine. So don't. But the Lord can let you hear it through a different lens. Yeah. (laughs) Songs of Solomon 1.16 says this. My love, you are handsome, and I mean truly handsome. A fresh green bed of grass will be our wedding bed. Come on, Bible. <laughs> That's Bible, y'all. The, you don't even have to make it up, y'all. In, in the forest? Woo! The fresh green grass? Come on, somebody. That's deeper than love. Yeah. That's enjoyment. Yeah. Are y'all it's getting joy. this? See, love is the commitment. Love and cherish aren't opposites. They complement. They complete each other, and they're both needed so your spouse can feel love. the fullness of how you love them and you cherish them. Love, yeah, that's the commitment part. Cherishing is the joy, the pleasure. The, the, the Listen, husbands, your wife wants to know not only that you will that you will love her and you'll be committed to her. She also wants to know that you cherish her, that you delight in her, that you take pleasure in your wife. That this is those scriptures like the Song of Psalms, four, uh, Song of Songs four and seven. Yeah. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. Amen. There is no flaw in you. Amen. Song of Psalms four and nine. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, mm. my bride. You leave yes. me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes. You have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by, I am held hostage by your love (laughs) and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. Song of Psalms 150, look at you. Look look at you, you. my dearest darling. You are so lovely. You are beauty itself Mm -hmm. to me. Your passionate eyes are like gentle. This is the enjoyment. It's the joy. It's the pleasure that comes along with the commitment. That's right. This of is loving. the cherished part. Yeah. Cling to that. Cling to your spouse. Cherishing is important. Yeah, don't lose that part, you guys. That's, That's a important. very, very big deal. Number seven, mm-hmm. keep the element of surprise. 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 Spontaneity. You got to keep it fresh. Uh, don't just go through the motions. Don't just do the, the same things over and over again, even if they work. You want to find new ways, new create. This is creative church, so this shouldn't be difficult for y'all mm. to be thinking of good, godly ways to be able to, to pull out them heels. or, or, or pull Listen, out for the, those <laughs> of us who are more grown and seasoned. Or the flats, whatever. whatever. <laughs> it worked. Fresh pair of Nikes will work. I don't care. <laughs> but keep it. we want to keep it fresh. Listen. We're, listen, we are most like God when we're creating. Facts. He created us. That's right. And so that's when we are creative, we are most like God. Whether that's doing a picnic together in the bedroom, whether that's uh, uh, whatever those things are for those that are married. And, and let me just say this, you know, we, we, <laughs> I know there are kids in the room and I appreciate that. And I think you need, to, you need to hear this because, listen, the world is trying to tell them outside of the church what love and what marriage is supposed to look like. And when you look at most marriages, you will look at that and somebody might be like, all them people argue all the time, why would I want to be married? Yeah. When, when I look at that marriage, what would make me want to be married? 
Can I tell you why? We, we are pushing up on 30 years and we still love each other. We still pursue each other. We're still highly intimate with each other. We're still nasty with each other. And listen, <laughs> yeah, it's laughable, but why, but why do I say that? I say that because somebody that's at five years needs to be able to look and see at 30 years that I'm still going to be pursuable. I still see somebody that still looks at me like, damn, like you yeah. need to be able to see it because if you don't see it, you don't know it exists. And I'm telling you that good, healthy marriages with husbands and wives still pursuing each other and enjoying each other, it's doable and it's perce it is foreseeable, it is possible, it is possible for you and we're here to show you that it can be done. Amen? Amen. 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 Very good. Number eight, how to make it last forever. You ready? Eliminate you statements. You. Mm, learn to fight fair. You when, always do that. Yes. You always did that. You did that on purpose. When you, you did that, you made me feel like this. That's assigning blame to the other person. And the truth is, is that the only logical response when you come at somebody like this is to come out like this, right? You don't want that kind of fight. The thing is, is that when you learn to fight fair, you learn how to communicate and express how you feel, but how to get to resolve as opposed to get to a fight. Make yeah. sense? So it'll sound something like this. When this happened, this is how this made me feel. Or when this happened, this is how I felt. Because nobody can tell you how you feel. They shouldn't. And the truth is... Say it again. Sorry. <laughs> nobody can tell you how you feel. They shouldn't tell you how you feel. Because the truth is they don't know. But when this happened, this made me feel like this. Because you know what? Truthfully, this may be assigned to something that was way before them. This might have come from childhood trauma. This may have come from something else. And you are assigning blame to them when this has nothing to do with them. That's right. Zero to do with them. And so when you own what that is, when this happened, I felt this like is this. how I felt. Yeah. And, and here's why it's super important. And I'm going to say this to the men because men probably do this more, more than, than our women do. Um, and I may need security again. Listen, stop trying to tell somebody that they didn't feel a certain way. Mm. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's, 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 it's disrespectful to try and tell somebody. If I say, I felt like that. No, you didn't feel like that. Shut up. You don't know how I felt. I'm telling you how I felt. That's from God. I, I, that's not me. That's, that's from God. You, you can't tell me how I feel. Yeah. I can't tell you how you feel. Now, I can say, you know, you can do that. You did this or you did that. Or I can come and say, hey, when this happened, I felt this way. By doing that, it disarms, it should disarm your spouse to be able to say, well, you're not saying I did it, but when it happened... Then, now we that's how you it. and then when it happened, it probably was me that did it. And so I can at least now look at ways that she's not coming at me or he's not coming at me. And I, it's disarming and it's loving towards your friend and your spouse. Are you getting and they, this? And they may not know that, right? They may not know that that's a trigger for you or they may not know why. And you can track that back to why. And now we can get to the source of what the problem is as opposed to just dealing with the Band-Aid. Yeah. Make sense? Your spouse is not your enemy. They are not. You have an enemy out there oh boy, that's seeking how to steal, kill, and destroy. So you have a real enemy that's out there after you. And so listen, we're going we're gonna to fast forward because we got through eight of our ten points. I'll give you the two. Number nine is honor and respect. His core need is honor and respect. My core need is to be loved and secure. That's right. And then the second one is having a vision for your marriage. If you had a person come to you and they had a company and they didn't have a vision, would you invest in it? 
Absolutely not. So why the most important relationship this side of heaven do you not have a vision for? Yeah. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm. And a lot of us are perishing because we don't have, what is the vision for your marriage? If like, you what's a win have, for y'all? Listen, if you don't have a vision, the enemy does. I assure you. What, what, what is a, a vision for your marriage? Like, literally, if you think about it, like some of us have never written down what it is. How do you know that you're successful? How do you know when you reached a, a, a great point in marriage? Is it stay together for 10 years, not getting divorced? Take it, like you have to write down a vision for your marriage. And so I want to just give you this right here. Y'all see this? Most, most of y'all know what this is. It's a lightsaber. Or a lifesaver, depending on. Or a lifesaver, as my wife calls it. Depends on how you use it. Mm. This now represents divorce. Mm. Divorce is on the table. We all have access to it. Yeah, we do. If for some reason I don't meet expectation as a husband, if I, it's the way I talk to her is not cool, hmm. if I'm not the man that she thought I was going to be, hmm. maybe she even married the, I feel like I married the wrong man, hmm. uh, I am not happy, um, you did this to me. Mm -hmm. um, any reason you can think of, any reason you can think of, divorce is now on the table and you have access to use this for any reason. Yes. But before you use it, okay. after you use it on me, you have to use it on our kids. Mm. Do, you, do you remember the picture I showed you? Mm. You remember the grandkids? They get it after them. Mm. This church, our pastor, mm. he gets it. Mm. Any of your friends, your family members, your community, y'all getting it. Mm. You use it on them. You use it on the house. You use it on the cars. You use it on the bank account. Mm. Everybody gets it. And then after you're done with that, you have to turn, you have to use it on yourself. Mm. And it may not kill you, but you're going to feel like you're dying. I'm good. No, thanks. But I have access too, right? Well. I mean, it's, it's on the table. I mean, you're not the woman I thought you were going to be. There's other women out there. Grass is green on the other side. I don't like the way you talk to me. I'm done with this relationship. I, I'm in, I, lo I, I love you, but I'm not in love. Hmm. I can come up with any reason on the planet. And I can use this. It's at my disposal because it's on the table. But we don't recognize that after I use it on you, I have to use it on our kids. Mm. I have to use it on our grandkids. I have to use it on our church. All y'all get it. Pastor gets it. Family, friends, mom and them, they all get it. The bank account gets it. The car gets it. The house gets it. The time spent on holidays Everybody gets it. And after I use it on everybody, I have to use it on myself as well. And even though it may not kill me, it'll feel like I'm dying. This is divorce. How do we avoid this? You take it off the table. Now, it seems simple, and it's complex, 
Because I don't know what you do after you take it off the table. I don't know how difficult it is. I don't know how many tears you cry. I don't know how long it takes. I don't know how much you can endure. I don't know how you've been built. But what I do know is that if God is trying to birth something in you and we're trying to abort it, this is the way to do that. But when you take it off the table, you say, God, I don't know how it's going to happen. But I trust that if you're going to do a miracle, you're going to have to be the one to do it because I trust that your word is true. True, and that if I do my part to take it off the table, you do your part to step in and make a way where there is no way. That's preaching for somebody. Yep. And here's the truth. The truth is this. It makes it actually quite simpler. And I know that sounds crazy, but it, the simple question becomes this. Now you only have one question. You don't have a plethora of questions. You have one question. How do we get through this? That's it. It's the only question you have. Not, did I marry the right person? Do I feel a certain way? Were they the right one for me, God? Did I make an error in the middle? It doesn't matter. What God put together, let no man tear asunder. And truthfully, even if God didn't put you together, once you're in the covenant, guess what, sweetheart? You're together. Amen. So guess what? How do we get through this? That's our one and only question. That's good. And it makes it easy. And guess what? That's what gets you to legacy. It's not that things aren't hard. It wasn't that we didn't go through every imaginable thing you can That's think right. of, from infidelity to <laughs> bankruptcy to the loss of a child to death of every sort. We've seen highs and lows of unimaginable things. Anything you can think of, we've probably seen it and lived through it. But the truth is we only had one question. How do we get through this? And that's the one question you can have. And that's how you can say, we can make it last forever. That's how you can say, we'll be together until we go to be with Jesus. That's it. All right, so listen, that's the word. Amen. Hey, if this sermon blessed you and your family, I want to encourage you to be a truth partner. You can do that by simply going to creativechurch.com slash give and partnering with us to help get this message of truth out to more people in our nation and around the world. It is our truth partners that make this a reality. Again, thank you for subscribing to our channel. Thank you for liking today's video. We'll see you back here on the channel real soon.